Well, tonight's a blood moon. Tonight's a blood moon. You think you're going to look at the blood moon? Tomorrow's erection day. A blood moon and erection day. You know, I'm glad. I'm really glad tomorrow's erection day. Because uh, I've been getting hit left and right every single day, multiple times a day. These text messages and phone calls promoting these candidates. It's the same two ones, mostly. It's both the Democrat and the Republican candidates. I don't know if they're for the Senate or Congress or what. I always get those things confused. But it's, I'm not even going to say their names because I don't like to invoke the names of demons. And I don't think they deserve nicknames. I don't think either of these two people deserve nicknames. I mean, one of them, their name sounds like a nickname. It sounds like a joke name. Sounds like a joke name. Sounds like a joke name. But her name sounds like a fake joke name anyway. And I don't even know anything about him. One of them's been involved in office here since I was a kid. Since I was a kid. And but one of them's a Democrat, there's a Republican, and they're both they're they're both gangbanging me. Sorry to be crass. But they're hitting me from both sides every single day. And they, they leave these phone calls with messages that are um, they're made to sound like like they're both women. Both these candidates are women. And their phone calls are made to sound like they're calling you from the tour bus or whatever, from the campaign bus. It's it's made to sound like, oh hey, I'm I'm just on the road and just I wanted to let you know a little bit about me and you know, it's very important that like I get you involved. You know, it's just it's weird that they're it's like it's that chameleon effect you see everywhere. I mean Anybody who's trying to sell you something, inevitably advertising or promotion, you know, becomes a chameleon where, I mean, you see this online where, you know, if you're scrolling websites now, it didn't used to be this way, but now if you're scrolling social media, most of the advertisements are made to look like posts. They're like predators trying to look like a plant. But it's like you're scrolling through a Twitter feed or Facebook or Instagram and you'll just come across an ad and you sense it. Like you know something's not right. Like it's this promoted content. And even if you don't know what it is right away, something like like a sensor goes off inside of you. Like like something kind of makes your back stiffen. It's almost like an uncanny valley effect. And even though the uncanny valley effect usually applies to the way people look, to the idea of like something that looks human, but something's a little bit off. It's true for everything. I mean, the uncanny valley applies to everything. And that's kind of what it's like with these online advertisements now, where they're made to look organic. They're made to look like, oh, this is just a post from somebody I know. Oh, what's this? This, this looks like a post from somebody I know. But something in you tells you it's not. Just like the uncanny valley of someone's looks, something in you says this looks like a post, but something feels off. And sure enough, you look and you're, oh yeah, promoted content. It's like somehow you know, even in this digital realm. But point being, like that's what advertising, that's what promotion inevitably does. It tries to seem personal. It tries to seem like it's just another, oh, it's just another post. Oh, it's just another post. What's this? Oh, it's Doritos. It's pizza. It's a video game. You know, it, it's like it's trying to look like just another post. And you see that everywhere. I mean, it's like TV commercials or something where like they try to make you think it's something it's not. Like they can't just try to sell the product. It's like they they have to make it out to be something it's not. And one way of doing that though is making you feel like you're being personally talked to. And uh, I mean, you see it like where I used to watch uh, late night infomercials and home shopping network. Like when I was growing up, like at sleepovers, my friends and I would just put that shit on and make fun of it. Just put that shit on and make fun of it. But one thing I noticed on it is they would have these callers who ordered a ton of shit from them. Like the same middle-aged older ladies, the same grandmas would call the Home Shopping Network every week and buy stuff. 
and the people who host the the people who talk to them pretend like they remember them and know them. They're like, "Oh, Carol." Oh, it's so great to hear from you again, Carol. And like they think that they they're friends. And one reason I know this is not just from watching those shows, but I had a good friend growing up whose grandma was a a home shopping network addict. She had a a grown disabled son that she took care of. And so she was kind of, you know, I think she was a happy lady, like they were a happy family and everything, but it's like she was homebound because her her son, her adult son was severely disabled in a wheelchair and everything. And so I think like, it, you know, it kept her close to home and, but as a result, like she ordered just tons of fucking stuff from the home shopping, QVC, home shopping network, like truly stuff she didn't need. Like, I remember being there, like, like I had heard that about her. Like I, I didn't really, like going over to her house, I knew there was like, there were a bunch of weird knickknacks and things, but then finally someone told me, they were like, oh yeah, she, she's into that. Like she's addicted to the home shopping network. Which is like pre-internet, you know, this is like the early 90s, you know, but it's kind of like someone who, who just orders a ton of shit on online now, you know, except the difference was you had to call in and like, it's always something limited edition. Like the one time I think I ordered something from them, from one of those home shopping QVC things, it was the Dallas Cowboys, the last time the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl, the, th- the third Super Bowl they won during the, that stretch. They were selling some kind of like limited edition hat. <laughs> they were selling some kind of like limited edition like Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl hat. It had a cactus on it because it took place in Arizona. Like the game was in Arizona. So it was this special hat. And I think I think I convinced my mom to let me get that. Only time I ever got something from home shopping. But anyway, like my friend's grandma. Yeah, like I remember going over to her house once and like walking through the living room and there was like this set of Indian dolls, like Native American Indian, but they were like, they almost looked like American girl dolls or something, but I don't think that's what they were, but they were big dolls of little girls like that. And they had like kind of slightly brown skin and they were wearing like Native American garb. And she just had that like on full display and there were a bunch of them. It was like six big dolls. And there, there was almost like a diorama, like they had, they were around a campfire or something. But, you know, she, like, like, and that was the moment that it clicked. Like, I, I knew that his grandma was addicted to Home Shopping Network. But when I saw that set of Native American dolls, like, that was when it clicked. Like, this family wasn't interested in Native Americans. This family, like, that, that was, <laughs> like, that was truly something that, like, meant nothing to this family. Like, there's no, there was no reason for her to buy, like, this big set of six Native American American girl looking dolls, Native American girl, Native American girl, but there, there was just no reason for her to have that, and the amount of space it took up too, like I'm talking about big dolls, what we call big dolls, BDs, these were big dolls, so they took up a lot of space, and there was a full diorama of them, and like that was the moment that it clicked though, where I was just like, oh shit, she is, that's, that's exactly one of those impulse buys. But I found out that she would call that and she would be like, she thought she was friends with those people. You know, she thought she was friends with the people who answered the phones at QVC. Like she was one of those people that I would see on TV late at night. You'd be watching it and somebody would call in and they'd, they'd be talking to the host of the show like it was their best friend. It was weird to meet one of those people. She was a wonderful, nice lady, but it was just... You know, it's one of those things you got to try not to think about too much. Like, she's homebound with her severely disabled son, doesn't get out much. So she's calling QVC like they're her friends, ordering, like, entire large sets of Native American girl dolls. Girl dolls, big dolls. Oh, you got, I see you got some big dolls. Um, but anyway, it, it... What got me going on this? Um, where did I start? Where did I start tonight? I don't know. I have no idea. I got, I got thinking about big dolls, and I, I just ran. I just went. I just ran out into the wild, tall grass there. It'll come to me if it matters. But uh, big dolls. 
feels really good to say big dolls you get big dolls hey big doll term of endearment hey big doll hey big doll that's and it also sounds like almost like the the toughest hoof ho the toughest hooker on the block oh if you're gonna come work this street you gotta go see big doll big doll Oh, if you want to be a call girl on this street, you can only do it if you go talk to Big Doll first. Have you talked to Big Doll? Because I'm imagining like this Amazonian master hooker. Just a, 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 the ultimate Amazonian hooker. Just fearsome. And they call her Big Doll. And she rules that neighborhood. She rules that strip. I could also see it being the name of a male pimp. That's Big Doll. I should start a nightclub called Big Dolls. Possessive. Like the club is Big Dolls. Create this whole myth. Create this myth around this Amazonian prostitute whose name is Big Doll. And both men and women fear her. What inspired all this is me talking about this set of Native American dolls my friend's grandma owned. Now I'm talking about opening a, a strip club called Big Dolls. <laughs> um, I was talking. No, what I was talking about was um, chameleons. See, I knew it would come back to me the second I stopped caring. It always comes back. But what I was talking about was you know how advertising you know has this chameleon effect and how. Or any kind of promotion or anybody who's trying to sell you on something. It's like it tries to blend in with things that you would otherwise like. Or that you would otherwise... It tries to blend in with organic things like a chameleon. But another way that it works is it tries to like act like it knows you. Or that there's something personal, like a personal connection. And how like one of the reasons... I brought, I brought up QVC and Home Shopping Network. Because like one of the ways that they sell you utter bullshit, like decorative, like sets of big dolls, sets of big Native American dolls, BDs, big dolls. The reason they're able to sell little old ladies that is because like you want to like make your friends happy or something. Like when old women who are stuck at home think they're friends with the QVC people, they want to like make those people happy by buying their shit. It's sad. I can't judge it though. There are, there are worse things than that. If you can believe that, there are worse things than that. But you know, one of the ways that works is these hosts are like, "Oh, Janet. Oh, it's so great to hear from you, Janet. How you been?" They talk like that. They talk to these little old ladies that way, like they're an old friend, and that's how they sell that shit. But like to to most people or a lot of people, like you see that and you're like, "What?" Like, how could you ever buy into that? It's like used car salesman stuff. But used car salesmen convince people that they're uh, that they they're their friend too. Like I said, it's funny to me that like the the stereotype, like the negative stereotype of a used car salesman, is the guy with the comb over and fake tan and gold chain and you know, the the sleazy looking guy. It's funny to me that that's the negative stereotype of used car salesmen because like those guys, you know what they are right off the bat and that makes them less insidious. Like a used car salesman who looks like a total scumbag, well, you know. It's what I said about Trumpsfeld. I brought this up before in context with Trumpsfeld because that's kind of how I feel about him. I'm like, you see a guy like Trumpsfeld and just look at him. Like just look at him. Like he looks like a used car salesman. But that, but that, like, that lets you know that. Like, if you see a guy who looks like that and you're like, oh, that guy totally has my best interest in mind. You know, that's kind of, it's, it's like, well, you know everything you need to know. You know you're dealing with a used car salesman. The more insidious version of a used car salesman is the guy who's not obvious. Because, like, like, I've used this to lay it out before, where, like, the sleazy, obvious, like, caricature of a used car salesman, he's the kind of guy, like, if you're buying a car, you talk to that guy, and you're like, oh, it's one of these guys. And you might, you're going to drive home, and you're probably going to be like, oh, that guy tried to charge me 
300 more. But I told him, stick it. And sure enough, I got my way. Frickin' used car salesman. You're going to drive home and you're, you're going to be a little like grossed out. You dealt with that guy. But there's a better chance that you, you would have stood up for yourself and you knew what was going on. You're not going to be scammed. What's sinister is the used car salesman who actually convinces, who seems really normal and likable and natural and convinces you that, oh, hey, dude, it's almost like we've been best friends our whole lives and just happened to meet each other when you're buying a car from me. Let's take a spin, dude. Oh, dude, you look great in that. You know, it's like a guy who's actually organic and a really good salesman because really good salesmen seem natural. They don't seem like a scammer. They don't seem like a schemer. But the real schemers seem natural. And the difference with them is like if you buy a used car from that guy, there's a decent chance you'll have overpaid for it and you're driving home and you're just thinking, dudes, I think Brad liked me. Dude, I think Brad, the car salesman, is actually my friend, dude. And I got this sick car. Meanwhile, you probably got ripped off even more. That's how I feel about politics, too. Where it's like the more natural and likable a politician seems, the less I am to trust them. The less likely I am to trust them. Because what they're doing is unnatural. And it, 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 it takes some kind of higher level of manipulation to actually try to convince people you're normal. And that gets back to these text messages I've been getting and these phone calls. I've noticed like the pattern of what they send you. And I'm, like I said, I'm getting both the Democrat and Republican, and they're both equally obnoxious. They're both hitting me from all sides. And I've noticed that like one of the, one of like the standard messages they've sent, like I said, I've been getting these every day. For the last two weeks, I think I've been getting like one a day. And then in the last few days leading up to the election, it's just like multiple a day. It's phone calls. And, but one of the, uh, one of like the, the templates they use is like they just talk about what a normal person the woman is. They just talk about what a normal person this candidate is. And it's like, if you have to try to convince people you're normal, you're not normal. If you're running for political office, you're not normal. But I've noticed like one of the templates is them like trying to tell you how normal. She's just a normal mom. Just a normal mom. Just a normal mom. She, she likes to stay home and watch QVC and order big dolls. And you know what would really impress me is if I got a text message for one of these women, one of these uh, women running for office, and it was like, for the last 30 years, she has, has lived under the name Big Doll. And she has successfully run, and she has successfully run the streets of blah, blah, blah. Vote for Big Doll. Step on a dog toy. Vote for Big Doll. See, I might vote for Big Doll. But it said they're trying to sell me on how normal they are. And then, they, like I said, though, there's like, there's like a, a pattern to what they send you. They send you the one that like talks about what a great, normal person the candidate is. There's another one they send that just trashes the other candidate. You know, there's, there's these different versions of these. And I've noticed like the pattern that they don't, they, they alternate what they send you. But, uh, like the, the, the messages they leave, though, like I was saying, it's that chameleon effect where they try to sound like they're a, an old friend calling you out of the blue. And it's made to sound like the candidate is, is personally calling you from her campaign bus or something. It's like, oh, hey there. It's just, I, have, I had some downtime on the campaign and I'm calling you from the bus. And you could hear noise in the background. Like you, you could hear like the sound. Like it sounded like somebody was calling you from uh, the road. Like it's, it's made to sound and like maybe it was recorded this way, but it's made to sound like it's just somebody, you know, calling you while they're in the car. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that does that trick people? Like in the same way that like people, these ladies who are addicted to the QVC in the same way that like they think the QVC people are their friends. Is there anybody who's tricked by that phone call? Like, are, is there anybody out there who gets a, a phone, like a spammy phone message from a politician and says like, 
you know, oh, uh, she she likes me. Oh, she's calling me. You know, I know I'm always defending people's intelligence on here. I really am. I'm always I'm always saying like people aren't as stupid as we think they are. And by that I don't even I don't even mean intellect. I just mean like awareness. As I've said over and over again, you know, I I've I measure intelligence as something's level of awareness. It's it's why animals are just as aware uh, it's why animals are just as intelligent if not more so than humans. Because animals have such a, a, an incredible level of awareness. It's something that transcends human intelligence. And you, you think of awareness as our basic, basic measuring stick as to whether something's truly alive. And, you know, while, it might, you know, while life might not only apply to things that are aware, it's really how we judge things, you know. It's the argument people use when, like, talking about killing plants versus killing animals for sustenance. Like, people justify killing plants because they say they're not fully aware, whereas animals are. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that plants are very aware. But anyway, long story short, like, I, I see it, true intelligence to me is simply awareness. And I've met people who are intellectually not very smart. Not just ignorant, not just uneducated, but they're not that, like, logically, they don't really think things through that well. But they are incredibly aware. And people will drop little hints of how aware they are. Like, I've, I've found this over the many years. Like, a coworker who you think is dim, or just somebody who you have a kind of a low estimation of, will drop an observation that makes you go, oh, you're very aware doesn't matter like you know how what their IQ is there's this level of awareness that, that people have and that's and that's where knowledge comes from knowledge comes from awareness um, just a little lesson there for you but uh, you know like I was saying like I tend to defend people's intelligence because I base it on awareness. But I do wonder, like them leaving these phone messages, these politicians, these candidates leaving these phone messages where they try to make it sound like they're call like you're their friend. Like most people I would think are aware enough to be like, oh yeah, like even if they're even if they're voting for that person, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, that's that's a bunch of bullshit. Stupid people know that. Stupid people know when they're being tricked. But I do wonder if there's anybody out there at this point who hears that and, and feels touched. Like, oh, it does feel like she's calling me. It does feel like Big Doll is personally calling me because she needs my help with her campaign. She needs my vote. Big Doll needs my vote. Anyway, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows? I mean, in, in this part of the country, there's very rarely any surprises. I mean, Western Washington is very blue. Very blue. So, I mean, it'd be... But it's funny, because I saw... Like, I saw a... Um, I saw a map of the U.S. It was I want to say it was maybe Jimmy Carter. I, I don't. It was either in the 70s or early 80s. And it was a map of like which states voted for which party in the presidential election. And I was amazed to see that like tons of states that I've thought of in my lifetime as just diehard blue states, Washington included, voted Republican. And, it, you know, that wasn't that long ago. It was like 40 something years ago, this chart that I saw, if I'm getting it right. But it was just kind of amazing to me because I was like, oh, shit, like. It wasn't that long ago that Washington voted Republican. But it's one of those places where there's just no, I mean, you, you just know that it's going to go blue. You just know that it's going to go blue. You just know that it's going to go blue. It's a song there. It'd be interesting to live in a place, though, where it was more, you, you didn't know from year to year. A swing state. You live in a swing state. It'd be an interesting place to live. I don't know what that would be like. I've never lived in one where, like, every two years, the midterms, you just didn't know. 
every presidential election, you just didn't really know. Uh, this is boring. Like talking about this shit is boring. I'm just glad that it's going to be over tomorrow. It is kind of funny. It's a blood moon. People's brains have been malfunctioning, though. I don't want to get too negative here, but I've been having to deal with a bunch of people lately whose brains are like truly not functioning, and they're not stupid people. It just makes me wonder if, like, the if there's been some kind of cognitive damage, you know? Because I mean, we're now, you know, it's been long enough since the height of coronavi. Not really that long, but it, I mean, it's it's been a while now. And we always have this tendency to focus on like the immediate impact something has. Like people were hyper focused on like the mental and physical impact of lockdown and the 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 covid hysteria. Like people were like talking a lot about that like oh this is this is messing people up, all this isolation, all this fear, all this you know, all this division. This is really going this is really messing people up. Uh this is going to mess people up. And now that it's been what, like, I don't know, not even two years. I mean, it hasn't even been two years since the hysteria, really. Because, I mean, it was what, like a, a year? Well, a year ago, they were still, like, threatening vaccine, like, ruining people's lives for not getting the vaccine. Like, it was like September t- 2021 that Obama bin Biden made an announcement about, like, the the horrible dark winter that unvaccinated people were going to go through and how like jobs were going to require the vaccine and the vac excuse me the vac that was september 2021 and then like yeah no right up until like february i remember exactly when it was like right up until like the end of february this year so up until february 2022 that was when people were trying to like ruin Rogan, ruin Rogan, um, for just questioning some things about the VAC and COVID policy, whatever. Like, yeah, it was right up until the Ukraine Russia war, Ukraine Russia war. It was right up until then that there was still like a mass hysteria and like people were openly expressing hatred and honestly violent tend to you know they were they were openly expressing like hatred and um, violent fantasies toward unvaxxed people and unvaxxed people were making a big thing themselves you know and that was february 2022 so you know we're like not even nine months since then you know we're like eight and a half months since that and then like because people just move on to the next thing hey batty batty um, because people just move on to the next thing, it was like then the Russia-Ukraine war came up, so people kind of stopped thinking about coronavi. So we're still like right, uh, you know, we're only nine months since people were still screaming at each other about it. You know, we're less than two years since people have, have really felt comfortable leaving their houses again. You know, we're two years since, you know, just the BLM summer nightmare. You know, so it's like all this stuff like happened and there was an immediate impact that like really consumed people. You know, all all of just the 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 nastiness and controversy around the 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 last erection. The last erection. It was the last erection. You know, all of that, all that stuff is, you know, is behind us, but it's like it had an immediate impact. We saw this immediate impact on people, on their emotional state, on their mental well-being. But there's always that residual. There's always that, um, you know, you don't, you don't see the full impact until a significant time has passed. And so it's easy for me to think like, oh, people have been kind of getting back to normal for a while. They really haven't. And I'm dealing with one particular situation that I won't go into detail on, but it involves somebody I know who is a very intelligent person who I'm working with on something. And this person, it's something has really gone wrong in their brain where it's like they're, they're behaving really impulsively, inconsistently. They don't, they, they don't seem to like, be able to remember anything 
from more than like a day earlier. And this is a young person. And it's just so disorganized and chaotic. I, I'm, I hesitate to even bring this up. I'm going to move away from it. But it's like, I found it really strange. And then it's not just that person, but it's a number of people I've been in contact with. I'm like, oh shit, like, am I just now seeing like some serious cognitive disruption from the last several years, the last two years? It is now when we're going to start seeing some of that? Because I feel fucking crazy, but I don't feel... I don't, I don't feel impaired. Like, I, I feel pretty, like, I, I feel like my thinking is pretty clear on most things. And I, but I question that sometimes, you know, like, sometimes I'm like, am I just in a weird fucking world of my own? And yeah, to some degree, but I do know that, like, my thinking is clear. Like, I, I, I do feel like my mind is organized. But when I'm dealing with somebody who is so disorganized, and I don't even know if they're aware of how disorganized they are and how chaotic everything they're doing is. And when I have to rely on this person, I'm just like, it really makes me take a step back and go like, what happened? Like, what happened? Is this, is this person having some kind of mental episode? Am I being an asshole? And then when you're seeing this everywhere, and I just, I wonder too, like how many people are just fucked up all the time now? And people are just fucked up all the time. I don't know. Who cares about that? I don't need to, I don't need to veer into that. Um, I'm just, it's been something that's been on my mind lately. Cause I'm just like, oh yeah, just, just the ability to, it's like the cognitive process and, you know, has just been, it's like it's being dismantled. And people's minds are just like running off the, the rails. And I wonder how much of that is just now we're finally seeing the long-term impact. And it's not even that long. But, you know, we've now reached a point where it's like two and a half years since Coronavi. Even less for all of these other events that have happened in the meantime. And, uh, yeah, maybe now we're seeing it. I feel like I've been saying this all along, but... Maybe now we're seeing it. One thing I wanted to get into too, though, is um, like the way the way hearing from these politicians makes me fucking feel. <laughs> I'm not done with that. I'm not done with that topic. And God, tomorrow's voting day, so I hope I'm not just hit all day. I threw my ballot out. Got the ballot. I thought about voting, and I was just like, you know what? I don't even want to fucking do it. Just threw it out. But, it, you know, it actually makes me feel violent hatred when I get these fucking messages and phone calls. Like, I would never feel that way otherwise about these candidates, neither one, the Republican or the Democrat. I would never sit there and think like, oh, I hate these women so much. Oh, my God. I would just be like, oh, they're, they're people running for office, as people do. I'm going to see their signs around. But now every time I get one of these text messages or phone calls, which is multiple times a day, I, I have to restrain myself from wishing serious ill upon them because I don't believe in doing that. I don't believe in doing that. I don't believe in doing that. I don't. I don't, I don't believe in issuing will on anybody for any reason. But when I get these fucking messages... And these phone calls, I'm like, they're making me lose my mind. And I, I, my first impulse when I see that it's another one of these messages, and I don't know how to get rid of it. I block each number. They come from different numbers. Every time I get one, I block the number, but they come from different ones. And this never happened in years past. This never happened in years past where like somehow I got signed up for a Beto O'Rourke text blast and I think I know how that happened I, I have a friend Robert who lives in Texas and every time I get one of these Beto blasts they're not called that but it sounds good every time I get one of these text blasts from Beto it always says hi Robert this is Beto O'Rourke you know and you know, I think he's in Texas. I think Beto, Beto Rourke, Beto Rourke. I think he's in Texas. 
where my friend Robert lives. So, and he wouldn't do that as a prank. That's a thing. Like my friend Robert, he would not sign me up for a Beto O'Rourke text list as a prank. Like that's not his style. But like it doesn't piss me off because it's like that's like part of his chaos magic or something. I'm not going to go into details, but it's like with my friend Robert, like if he signs you up for a Beto O'Rourke like, like if he's a, he, if he's getting like signed up for like some Beto O'Rourke text thing, it's like probably some volunteer asked him for his number. And he, this friend of mine, he has all of his friend's phone numbers still memorized in his head. That used, that's how it used to be for me when I was a kid. Like you memorized your friend's phone numbers. Like I can still remember a number of my childhood friend's phone numbers. I would say like three or four of them. I can still remember them somehow. I can remember my, my very first phone number that I had. My friend Robert, though, like, he has a cell phone and stuff, but, like, he remembers all of his friend's phone numbers by memory, which is insane. So I could totally see him, like, being at some place where there's a guy with a clipboard who's like, hey, can I sign you up for, like, the Beto O'Rourke newsletter? And Robert just giving him my phone number, like, just in a moment, just fluid, not like, oh, I'm going to prank Eric by signing him up for this, just this weird fluid moment, because that's how this guy is. It's like just part of his chaos magic. Here's his number. So I get a kick out of it every time I get one of those Beto messages because it's like, hi, Robert. But that was all I got for years. Like those are the only political text messages. And that one, clearly there's like some funny story to how I got signed up for that. And Beto O'Rourke, by the way, I don't think about him. I don't think about these people. He's funny, though, because like when I found out that he had been in an indie rock band in the early 90s, I was like, of course, it's, it's physiognomy. You could tell by Beto O'Rourke's physiognomy that he was in an indie rock band in the, the early 90s because he has a little bit of that uh, Chris Novoselic thing, too. I'd have to actually look at them side by side, but he has that Chris Novoselic, you know, the Nirvana bassist. Like, they have a similar look and vibe. They both seem like guys who are like mellow, you know, you know, just, just mellow rockers in the grunge era. And I guess like Beto, it wasn't grunge. It was like indie rock. But I mean, that's what Nirvana was into. Grunge or not, like the Nirvana guys were like indie rock guys. But it's it's funny that both those guys became politicians. Like Chris Novoselic is a politician in some weird part of Washington. He lives in some super remote village somewhere here in, in Washington state, but he ran for office. And I, the funny thing is I vaguely remember him being like, I want to say he was a Trump guy. I might be wrong about that, but I remember like finding out that Chris Novoselic was a politician, but that he was kind of like, uh, kind of against the current left. I may be totally wrong about that. But it surprised me because like everybody always, I hear people say this, you know, I always complain about people who do the whole like, if so-and-so was alive, he'd be rolling in his grave. Oh, if your father was alive and he knew that you voted that way, he'd be, he'd be so upset. Oh, your father's rolling in his grave. Like anytime people invoke the dead in that way, when people like invoke the dead to be like, oh, if he was still around, you know, he would never approve of this. Like, they need the dead to assess the living. But people do that with Kurt Cobain sometimes. They'd be like, well, if Kurt... I've heard people actually say this. They'll be like, well, if Kurt Cobain was still alive, he'd be woke. Kurt Cobain, if he was still alive, Kurt from Nirvana, if he was still alive, he'd be woke. Like, there's people who say that, like, in praise of quote-unquote wokeness. Like, well, like... Kurt was woke. Can't be that bad. And I've also heard people say that critically. I've, I've heard multiple people say this. I'm not making this up. People talk about every. People are insane if you haven't noticed. They've talked about... I've seen conversations online where people talk about like, what would Kirk Corbrain be doing today if he hadn't killed himself? What would Kirk Corbrain be doing today if he didn't kill himself? And people will be like, well, he'd be woke because Kirk was woke back then. And I mean, there's other people, though, who are like, oh, no, he'd rebel against this because he was a rebel. He was a true rebel. Um, it's funny, though, that people even try to put Kirk, Kurt, Kurt, 
It's funny they even try to put Kurt in, you know, today's political terms. Because it's like, the way I always thought about him was just like, Kurt Cobain's, he's just a lib. He's a lib. He he does, he's, he's a pretty smart guy, you know. He's... He's into like, you know, he's against the whole like, he's against masculinity. He's an artist. He's a lib. But it was never, you know, he obviously did certain things for shock value because at that time, I guess it was kind of shocking. Although when you look back on it, like I was around then. If you want to talk about awareness, I was a kid, but I was totally aware when Kurt was was big. My sister was obsessed with Nirvana. She saw Nirvana live, you know. She saw Nirvana live. And uh, at the time, though, it's like nobody was shocked by Kurt Cobain, now that I think about it. Like, nobody was shocked by Kurt Cobain's views. It was just like, yeah, of course. He's some, like, pussy-ass rock and roller from Seattle. He's just some pussy-ass rock and roller from Seattle. Like, of course, of course, he, like, thinks men should be able to wear dresses and... Of course, he's a feminist. Of course, of course, all the things. He was a punk, you know. Kurt, Kurt was a punk, an indie rock dude. Of course, he had the views he had. Nobody was really shocked by them, though. But I don't know. It's always weird when people try to invoke like someone like that who like lived and died in this very small window of time, like thirty years ago. I mean, that's crazy, right? Kurt's been dead for almost 30 years. <laughs> Holy shit. I didn't even think about that. I've never thought about that. Like how in like a couple years, it's going to be 30 years. That's, that's an insane. Wow. I don't even know how to contextualize that. I, I, you know, I do think of like Kurt killing himself as like something that happened 10 or 15 years ago, not 30. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, it's just funny when people try to like invoke a guy like that now and be like, he'd, he'd think this. No, I, he'd think this. Well, Kurt was woke. Kurt was woke. Kurt was woke. But anyway, what got me going on that was, uh, but that just shows you though, it's like I see Beto O'Rourke and I immediately think of Nirvana. So when I found out that he was in an indie rock band in the early 90s, I was like, yeah, it's it's physiognomy, the way he talks. Even the way he talks sounds like one of those guys. This is, you know, and and I know other people who could identify this too. I know, for example, my buddy Miles, who I talk about. I know that Miles would know exactly what I'm talking about right now. That when you see Beto O'Rourke, you can just tell from his physiognomy and his voice that he was an early 90s alternative or indie dude. And I'm getting text messages from him for the last three years. Last three years. But I don't mind that. If my friend Robert signed me up for Beto O'Rourke's list for some, because he's a chaos mage who does things like that, that's totally fine. Getting hit from both sides nonstop the last couple of weeks, though, it just makes me wish ill on these people. And I don't want to do that. But they kind of make themselves targets of that. I mean, that's sort of the price of being a politician is that there's always somebody out there who wants to assassinate you. I don't want to assassinate these women. I don't want to assassinate these women. I don't. I'm just saying, though, that like when somebody puts themselves in that position... There's something ancient that makes people go, oh, we've got to assassinate that person. People have always done it. Like they just understand that if somebody like makes themselves a leader or a representative, they're somehow fair game. It's, it's sort of similar to what I was saying. Like I was watching like, I don't know what the fuck it was, like ABC, MSNBC. I think it was MSNBC. MSNABC. MSNABC. Yeah, it must have been MSNBC, but it was like some sort of political talk show, and I didn't know who any of the people were. There were like four or five people. And this was after, um, this is probably like late 2021. And they were talking about Trumpsfeld, and like obviously MSNABC hates Trumpsfeld. And they were talking about like, like January 666, and uh, all that. And like, they were like, something needs to be done about him. 
Like you could tell that what they were feeling was this ancient feeling of like, aren't we supposed to kill him? Because that's what you do with like the deposed leader. You know, that's what you do with the deposed king. That's what you do with like the rival to the throne. You kill him. You kill his son. And like I, I was watching this this clip of these these pundits talking about Trumpsfeld, and I was like, holy shit, they look really confused. They're feeling something deep and primal that's saying, like, we need to kill this man. We need to execute this man publicly, like we always did. But like they live in this new modern society where you can't just cut the you, you can't just cut Trumpsfeld's head off for January 666 or being a rival to the throne. But like something in them, I, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but like I was watching these pundits talk and I was like, what they're feeling is bloodlust. But we live in this civilized society now where you can't just do that, at least in this part of the world. It was really an interesting moment for me. And I think that still speaks to people a lot. Like I, th I think that feeling of like, oh, that was what we always used to do. I mean, it applies to the children, like I said, like... I think there's people where deep down, like if they were to tap into that ancient feeling, you've heard what we call that ancient feeling, what they want is we need to execute Trumpsfeld and his male heirs. And if you ever see the way people talk about the sons of these guys, it's like I've said about um, Hunter bin Biden. Like, the only bad thing about Hunter bin Biden is that the CIA and FBI tried to censor accurate information about what he was up to. And they lied and said it was Russian disinformation and coerced social media companies to carry that story. That it, or to, to, I mean, to not carry that story, but to claim that it was Russian disinformation when it was all real and it was all true. That's not Hunter bin Biden's fault. Like, Hunter bin Biden's a crackhead who may have wanted to make some business dealings with his dad's name. Oh, well. Like, I don't care that Hunter bin Biden slept with his dead brother's wife or whatever they said. I really don't care. It's, it's depraved. I mean, he's obviously depraved. He's a crackhead who, who, you know, smokes crack on... He likes to film himself smoking crack and having sex with hookers and doing all kinds of weird stuff. He's, he's obviously depraved, but it doesn't make me hate him or anything. It doesn't make me think he's a problem. But you can see that, like, Republicans, like, the way they latched on to, you know, Hunter bin Biden, at least some of them. Because, I mean, I think, I think there are a lot of Republicans, though, who were, like, just upset that um, it was being censored. I think they were more upset about that. But there were certainly a number of Republicans, too, though, who, who were responding to that deep, ancient impulse that was saying... Kill Biden and kill his son. Because that's what we've always done. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. Song in the making. But, you know, it, it, you, you notice with the way they attack each other's sons. Like the way that Democrats, I mean, I out of curiosity, like I remember looking at Donald Trump Jr.'s Twitter and like looking at the comments and it's just filled with people who are, who are so mad at this guy. They hate this guy so much. They just respond to him all day with like, Hey, son of a bitch. You're going to be burning in hell with daddy's money. There's like a thousand people who respond to everything he says that way. I bet you can look forward to going to hell where you're, you're going to be burning with daddy's money. They just say like nonsense like that. It's just like like word salad of nonsense designed to like make him mad. What they're really saying though is like we want we want to execute your dad and you. Same thing when people like latch on too much to Hunter Bin Biden. It's like we want to kill your dad and you. It's a it's an ancient thing that people used to do forever. Execute the last guy. Execute your enemy. People still feel that, you know, people still think like they still, um, I mean, like a Japanese prime minister was killed not that long ago. There was an assassination attempt, I think, attempt in was it Argentina. There was a woman, a female politician who got shot at 
But, um, you know, so these, these things, are, that, that still speaks to people. Like, no matter how complicated our world gets, how many different ways that you can express yourselves, there's still something deep inside people that's like, gotta kill the leader. Gotta kill the leader. And I don't think that way, you know, like, I'm not, a, I'm not the kind of person who, who gets so mad at a politician that I want them to die or I wish ill upon them. But getting these fucking text messages all day, every day, getting these phone calls every single day does make me wish a little bit of ill on them. Just a little bit. Like, just enough ill that they, you know, that they, just, just enough ill that, like, they have a headache for one day or something, you know? Really harmless. I got to be careful. When I, wish Ill, when I wish ill on somebody, I got to clarify what I mean. I just hope they have like a, a migraine tomorrow. I don't want, and I want them hurt. I don't want them maimed. Just, just give them a migraine. Just give them a migraine. I just wish, I just hope you have a migraine. I feel guilty even wishing that upon somebody though. But you know what? The amount of fucking text messages and calls I've gotten in the last week or two weeks, that's been like the equivalent of a migraine. It may not have literally given me a migraine, but like the sustained effect of that, the fact that like every time I check my phone, there's a, another message. There's a, there's a voice message. That's basically a sustained migraine, isn't it? I don't know. I know who I'm voting for this time, though. I am going to vote for a woman, but it's not going to be either of these two women candidates who have been harassing me. Who I'm going to vote for is Big Doll. Big Doll's got my vote. I see.